going on, man? We are live. Well, recording. And Tom will hack it up later to make it an actual listenable show. Um, But we were we started talking. We had to we had to stop talking and hit record because we were having what I think is a good conversation. Um, You know, obviously during COVID, with all the lockdowns and shutdowns and everything, everybody was working from home and and you know doing the what we're doing right now, which we're using Google Meet to record our podcast and we're video conferencing so that we can see each other. We know like, Hey, Tom's like making faces. He has something to say. I need to shut my fucking mouth. You know, like it's so much easier to, to, to do that than try to record just audio only. So we do video. It's easier to see. It's easier to get context clues. It's just overall better. Um, But we were talking about how it's so, I don't understand. Now I'm also someone who, who, I was a an essential worker during COVID, and they were batting around whether or not I was going to end up having to do my job from home. And I was telling Tom there was no way in hell I would want to do my job from home. And I don't understand the people who do want to do their jobs from home. Um, I mean, I guess it works like if you were like people still people are still fighting for it. They still want to do it. They don't want to go back. And I guess I get it from a certain angle, but also, you know, like if you want to live in Philly, like my little brother, my little brother's moving to Philly to get out of Florida um, for, you know, reasons. And um, the and he but he still wants to work for his company and they're allowing him to do teleconferencing to do his to do his job. It's great for him because of his situation. But by and large. All these other people that are like, like so many people just want to be like, ah, I just want to work from home. I can't do that. I can't, I need to have that separation. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt. The, uh, there's like a large contention of, um, let's say large, maybe that's a wrong, wrong, uh, adjective. There's a contingent of people who want to, uh, there's a contingent of people who are able to, uh, because the companies have basically sold offices they've done whatever and you know look that's economically that they may have like you know we they discovered something very feasible you know hey we don't have to have this anymore whatever that that, i mean that's just part of it right um but at the same point too though if you have the ability to go back um unless it's for like another reason like medical or whatever like yeah i don't understand it either like do it i mean there's there's so so much of the camaraderie and the just something that speaks to saying like look uh I don't know that I could do that every day. You know, now me, I was kind of in the same boat. You were funny thing was during all that, I actually had to have signed paperwork that said I could cross state lines. Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah. For that reason. So um, it wasn't very long, you know, it was like in a, maybe a four to six week span that I had to carry that. Um, but I had to show up every day and I never stopped, you know? So, right. Um, that so I don't know any different. I really don't. Right, and and that's the thing. Like, and and maybe it's just maybe it's a, a character flaw or some kind of issue that that's a me thing. But like, I'm terrible at doing online classes. I'm terrible at doing doing things that require me to sit at my computer and do them independently. Like, if I'm at if I'm in a work situation. I can sit there and do my work and not, you know, it's not an issue, but I just, I find it 
hard to sit or at least i found it hard to do classwork when i didn't have to be in the classroom and i just figured that it would be much the same with work like i maybe if i had a data entry job and i knew like okay i'm gonna do this this and this and i've i've only got to do that then maybe working from home whatever that's right. fine it, it you know but it would also be the it would also depend upon the flexibility of the schedule and all that stuff too because you and i both know it that inevitably sitting at home something's going to come up right because it's not the same at work you can separate you can delineate you can be like no listen this is my work time i'm not there i can't do anything about it i have to be here and my mind has to be here and my focus has to be here but at home there's so many different distractions there's so many different things going on you know the dog needs to go out the dog needs to eat you know this happened that happened people ringing the doorbell you know people cutting their lawns people doing construction whatever right right and when you're at work that's what you are you're at work and so you it's a singular focus now i'm not saying that you know when we're all at work we're all just drones and just you know punching boxes and whatever like we're clearly there's we're still human and there's still going to be other factors that from the outside that kind of come in and intrusive thoughts and whatnot but i feel like it's easier to function on a work level when you're at work right right yeah the, the focus level is more there uh, whereas like yeah when you're at home it's like you're all over the hey, hey look when we record this there's been many a times when we've had to uh go it's like oh real life happens right dog needs to go out um someone has a cold so they're coughing a lot so we have to go back and like i have to edit that and i try to do my best obviously i don't do it all the time but um you know that you do have a lot of this different things going on that basically take your focus out of it right because if you're honestly a you know your focus is out of it your uh, your head's not there so you're not performing your, your productivity goes down regardless of what you do right. um and if you're that ill you wouldn't really go to the office anyway so why are you <laughs> right you know so and and that's the other thing i feel like and maybe this is just the i don't even know what to call this but maybe this is me looking into thing maybe looking through a skeptical mirror but i feel like this is also the companies then intruding on your home and then making it so like look you know when i was in the air force even you know, when I was all through high school and the college and then even when I was in the Air Force, we had snow days because it was, you know, it was too shitty on the roads to go to go to the base or to go to school or do whatever. So sweet. It's a snow day. Right. Right. That was awesome. That was a nice little reprieve from from the monotony of of the, you know, of, of the way things went. But now with all this remote work shit. No, oh, sorry. You guys just get to log into your remote terminal and uh, just do your work. Man, it's snowing outside. My ass is gonna be outside sledding, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like that. So you know, and it, I, we've made no bones about it here. You know, I work for a school uh, system, and you know, we've talked about that many a times over. Where, you know, what would be the easiest course of action? Would it be, you know, snow day, and what you want to do as a kid on a snow day, and all that, or eh, you know, let's do this remote stuff. You know, look, we've hit the last couple of years where we're like, you know what? Let's just do snow days. Let's let's let you know. Let's have because it, it, it's more it's more of the reprieve. It's more of a break type thing, right? 
you know, because, you know, you kind of have to go with like what you feel is needed in that regard. But then also, obviously, there's like a level of preparation that happens beforehand, whatever, and all that. We can get into the, you know, discussion on that. But it's also in the same point, too. It's like you're a human being. You can't just force, 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 force. The right. same thing that a lot of people did not like, <laughs> you know, for, you know. Right. Right. And that's the thing. Everybody, everybody's like, oh, man, I need a work-life balance. I need a work-life balance. Well, motherfucker, if you're working from home, where's that work-life balance? How's yeah. that working out for you? Because I don't see it. I see you're at home and you're still doing work. There's no balance. Yeah. Because then your boss could be like, hey, um, I know, you know, I know you're, you're really, you're at home and, and, but I need you to do this. And no, no. Yeah. You could find that spell where, and I say the productivity thing and I'm just making numbers up here, but you could be working like a typical eight hour day at the office or wherever you're at and putting in like a decent amount of productivity there. Whereas if you're doing a similar time to put those productive eight hours in at home due to distractions, whatever, you may be looking at 12, 14. So that time becomes longer and expanded out. Right. And now, look, I'm not saying that, like, yeah, you take your breaks, walk your dog, you do whatever you want. But you're also going over a longer, to me, anyway. Right. You know, I, I guess it's all depends on what you do and I don't know, but it's it's interesting nonetheless. Like I, I've always been because I knew I didn't know any different. I had to be around the people that I work with. I work in a small office, so you know, at some point or another, it was like, hey, I, we, we're doing this, whatever. We never shut down. Um, but at the same point, like I just don't know that I could do that day in day out. You know, for three years now. Think about that. That's not the only right. thing. That's a long time. Yeah. I know we always talk, oh, yeah, you remember when we did this 20 years ago? And you think, oh, time's going really fast. But when you do something every single day for three years, oof, man, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, and to your point with the productivity and everything, I think if you look at the long-term effects of what happened, and we'll call it the COVID generation. Mm -hmm. So the kids that were going to school during COVID and ended up having to do homeschooling for how long? like virtual school, how they end up faring in the future versus kids who, who were before or after where they did everything just in school. I think you're going to see a marked difference and yeah, it's it's not the kid's fault. No. And I think there's a, you know, um, it's funny you say that there's a uh, thing I always think about because when did you get your first cell phone? So what it was 2001. So you were out of high school. Yeah. Oh, I was out of high school for two years. Yeah. Years. I got, I got my first one. I was out of high school as well. Um, so, you know, I always look at this. We are part of the last generation that did not have a mobile phone. Now, granted, even back then the mobile phones really weren't what they are now, obviously. Right. You weren't, you weren't able to access, you know, the world knowledge at your fingertips. They were playing snake and, sending text messages and maybe having cool ringtones, <laughs> but, but you still didn't have that, that the communication aspect of it. You were still having to run somewhere to make a call when you were in high school, you know, you know, with type those types of things. You know, I, I always thought that like we our age level anyway, in a, in a small group anyway, we were the last ones to really understand that, you know, the stuff that we have at our fingertips, Oh, we love it. Don't get me wrong. But, 
you know, we also understood how life worked before that. And that mark difference that you're talking about now, I think you're going to see this, a similar thing, you know, with, and I, I think that's why like, you know, they, like we get clustered in sometimes with, um, with millennials and whatever. And I think, I just think that's wrong, honestly, because we understand it on a different level. Well, I've, what I've seen is, and we, it's funny, we were just, me and Stephanie were just trying to explain the different generations to Peyton today. And um, what I had seen it called is Xennials. And it's the very tail end of Generation X and the very start of Millennial. Mm-hmm. And I think that that fits perfectly because we were the last ones to really have that internetless analog experience and we witnessed the transition into the digital age. Right. And it is night and day. I still remember, and I know I'm sure you do too. Going up, there was no there was no TV remote. It was, hey, go turn the knob. Yeah. Actually, and the first was, TV I ever had in my room, and I remember this, it was a Lloyd's 13-inch. And <laughs> you could take, and I had little knobs that I could like open the box and you could tune each channel that I had. Yeah. 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 I had, uh, I don't know what brand, I think it was, fuck, I don't remember what brand it was, but I remember having it forever. But it was a big tube TV. It was at one point the living room TV until we got a, um, we got one of the big projection TVs. Mm-hmm. That was all the, that was, that was totally the shit. Um, but at this, this one had the 3610. It had the wood grain on it, which is how you knew it was classy. And then when I wanted cable, my initial cable box was the flippy one with all the little buttons on it. Oh, the gosh, little, yeah. The little switch that you could go between the three different rows. Yeah, and it's like the brown, like, fake wood. like Right. And what you would do is if you if you were really tricky, if you wanted to watch a pay-per-view channel like a, like a WrestleMania or whatever – you could kind of rig it so that it was in between the switch was in between and you could like pop two or three of the buttons at the same time and you could kind of get a squiggly picture. And sometimes it would either be wrestling or you would think it was wrestling and then you'd see a boob and then you'd be like, Oh, that's not wrestling. That's, that's something completely different. Old school hacking. That's what I remember. I recall stories of, um, I won't, I won't uh, out anybody on this one, but, of, and this is crazy. Think about this. Of people climbing foam poles because that's where the cable lines ran. Yeah, and they figured out where like the certain junctions were, and they were able to like ha- hack into it, which is insane to me. So they could get the pay per views and the boxing matches and the stuff because it's like, oh yeah, you know, just think about this. Like back then, it was still like 50, 60 bucks for like a Tyson fight, yeah, or or forty, fifty bucks for uh, a WrestleMania or something, you know. And it was just, and it's like, of course, you know, look, I don't really want to pay that now. You know, I'm okay with the five dollars a month that I pay to Peacock for, you right. know, and because it, it, you know, it's equivalent of like one pay per view of money that's like worth basically two or three times as much now, right? Or well, and like, that's why I mean. that's why I haven't gotten any of the AEW pay per views. I've I love AEW and I would love to support them and every single thing they do, but do you know I don't have fifty bucks to drop on a on a pay per view randomly, you know? Like, yeah, no, I don't either. And I've, I, I'm same way. Like I, I don't sit there and like, oh yeah, it's would be great too. But I'm also, I'm, I struggle sometimes because, you know, obviously I'm a big Phillies fan. Right. But then I pay for the single plan on that. And we've talked about this before. 
um, through our pods, it's, you know, I'm paying like over a hundred dollars a year for basically three fourths of the season because right. of blackouts. And so then the NFL Sunday ticket comes up. I have a YouTube TV and it's like, well, do you want to pay another $300 or whatever it is? And it's like, look, I love the Eagles, but it's like at some point I can't stomach paying all this money for stuff, especially the Eagles right now. Like I think there's automatically five or six national telecast games. So then I'm into it for two or $300 or whatever it is for like 10 games, <laughs> you know, right? because it's like, you know, I just I can't do that. And so the same thing goes with all these pay-per-views. Like I'm so glad the WWE did what they did with the network. And then obviously eventually transitioning over to Peacock for the U S audience. Um, because it's like, look, I can stomach watching ads and paying $5 a month. No problem. You know, that's fine. That's a great, to me, like, look, that's a great, you know, way to, to, to approach it, to, to make money because now you're basically able to have millions of subscribers at that rate. Right. AEW hope maybe get something like that. I know the ring of honor thing, I guess they still have the, the honor club. Honor club. Yeah. Maybe they'll do something like that, but yeah, no, I, I can't do the 40, 50, $60 a month things for even something I like just can't yeah. do it. I, and that's the thing. Like I'm gonna, I'm going to go through and with with the NFL Sunday ticket dropping and where I can actually get it, I will be dropping probably Netflix. I will be dropping uh, probably. I might hold on to Paramount Plus, but I think HBO Max is going to be gone. Um, I don't know. I'm got to really look through. I'll definitely keep the Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN package because you get all the hockey games like that. And then plus you get Disney Plus and, and Hulu, which are awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll keep my YouTube premium. But aside from that, I really, any of the other like streaming services are fair game. To, yeah, to no, cut it. You're, yeah, you just had a good point too. The, um, they do have a great package there. The uh, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Hulu. That's a great combo. Um, I actually still get that through Verizon, which is nice. Nice. Um, the uh, it's one of the few like perks that's still left, um, so that's a nice one, and it's actually a good, even a good deal, even if you don't get that because it's still reasonable, and there's a lot of good content on all oh, yeah. three. Um, the uh, the only thing of Peacock that kind of even with the price point, and and we'll we'll get there. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to Twisted Metal. Yes, uh, we'll we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but the. Uh, I don't know about you, but like, what content have you found other than WWE that you really draw yourself to on Peacock? Other than like the classic content, yeah, dude, it, it's classic content. And I'm trying to remember what I feel like there was some show on there that was. See, now I'm gonna have to look this up because I know there was something that I watched on there. Um, it's not. You're right. It's not a big thing for me. Um, I get much more, I'll tell you what I got much more out of than, than I thought I would is the, oh, what the fuck is it called? Um, Paramount plus I got so much out of Paramount plus, but like, I'm just looking real quick to see just cause I, I really can't remember anything off the top of my head for, for Peacock. I, I mean, it was, it was more of, I know it was an, kind of an off the cuff thing that we certainly didn't prep for, but I, I think I thought I'd get the same answer that are you. Provide me the same answer that I have. I really get nothing 
we don't yeah. watch it for anything other than I occasionally will flick on wrestling, but well, there's they did get and then you know, SNL like stuff, but so I feel like there's going to be an and there's some uh, football games that are either going to be on that are either going to be on Peacock or maybe I'm thinking of um, maybe I'm thinking of Paramount Plus because they have CBS, so that might actually be what I, even what I'm thinking about. Yeah, because I was going to say they haven't had what NBC has really done NFL content in a long time. Yeah, so I think I'm thinking of I think I'm thinking of uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so cheap. Still, is really because you're you're ad supported, obviously, but um, you know your main draw is the WWE. I mean, to me, um, I, I really don't know. Um, the one thing I never can get away from is Netflix. That's the hard one. Um, there's always something there. You know, that's a tough one. Whatever they charge for is a shame, too, because it's like it's always like one thing away from like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I just so with with Netflix, I can count um let's see. Netflix right now, the only shows that they still have that I like are they have some comedy stuff that I that I really enjoy. Big Mouth, Wednesday, Wednesday. Pronounce it correctly <laughs> um, for non hoagie mouth listeners. Um, and I, that's all I can think of is those three things. Like hell, even Amazon Prime. If I think about Amazon Prime, I don't use it as much as I used to to ship stuff. But if I think of the the stuff that I actually watch on there, there's more on there. Yeah. Because there's The Boys, there's um, Invincible, Doctor Who, Good Omens. So that's already four, and I'm not even really pushing too hard. Um, and then they're going to have NFL games with the Thursday night games. So there's there's a reason for me to keep Amazon Prime. But I'm yeah. really, aside from the WWE stuff, which... Aside from the big four pay-per-views, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched any of it. No, I, on Peacock. And and quite honestly, like I the last like major one I watched was was the Rumble. But um, okay, but leading on Peacock though, um, you sent me a, uh, the video today earlier, and I I told you that I'd only watched the trailer, which was released a month or so ago, and it's something I'm so excited about is the uh, Twisted Metal series coming to Peacock. So yeah. this this may be the make or break for me on, well I say make or break I'll keep it because wrestling stuff but well yeah I'll keep it because of wrestling in the office. Yeah. but my goodness like dude what a clip I mean and you tell me they're catering to our age come dude. on <laughs> and, and it it's so fucked up because it made me think of an album that I haven't listened to now I wore it out when I had it but I haven't listened to Unleash the Dragon. In so fucking long, aside from the thong songs, you hear it everywhere. But I wore that album out, man. And that, that the, the two minute clip in that, how good are you know, will you have Will Arnett playing Sweet Tooth's voice? I believe it's is it still Samoa Joe doing Samoa the body? Joe's his, his yeah. body. Um, and then uh, you've got Anthony Mackie, um, just killing it as uh, John Doe, who's his character in the Twisted Metal series. And man, that that clip just yeah, hype me up. That's so good. Uh, <laughs> Machete. 
Yeah, and, and like, look, I know a lot, Twisted Metal is a funny thing. A lot of people have it in their head that, like, it can be a real serious thing. Um, and I think a lot of it derives back to arguably the, the, the most popular is Twisted Metal Black mm -hmm. uh, because it's very dark. Um, it's it's very, I mean, it really is. It's just a, the very darkest entry of it. And it's not very funny throughout it. But if you follow along in any of the Twisted Metal stuff, the main character drives an ice cream truck. So, of course, it's funny. It's supposed fucking, to be. There's a fucking dude called Axel that is just a dude strapped to two giant fucking wheels. Exactly. Or Mr. Slam. The, <laughs> the guy. I mean, come on. Like, you have... It's just goofiness. So, if, like, you pick up on it. The, the comedic aspect is there. And it's such a great way to approach that show because... I don't know that you can get away with something that's not funny in that guard now, you know, I, I think if you, if you took away the comedy, you get very, I don't know. Like, I don't know that it just flies right at all. Um, so that, but that clip that was released, uh, the release recently, it was awesome. It's so yeah. good. And they have a great tribute to unleash the dragon. Yes. Thank you, Cisco. <laughs> the silver haired God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It was so good. I uh, I said it to Danielle because uh, she was, I was like, the kids were still up. And I was like, you have to watch this. I was like, you will appreciate this. And like 30 seconds, she's just dying laughing. And, Dude, uh, I saw it and, and I'm like, I really hope Tom has seen this. And when you said you hadn't, I was like, all right, boom. Because it really, it ticks all the boxes. It really does. Yeah. It's, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how this actual series plays out and how they stretch it out into... You know, I don't know how many episodes, um, but God, it looks so good. I really hope it doesn't disappoint. No, I, I hope so. I hope so either. Like it's, uh, it looks like it's uh, ten episodes on season one. I honestly don't see this going past uh, maybe two or three seasons, regardless. Um, only because like you're dealing with a limited cast of characters. Um, I know that um, Nev Campbell shows up in an episode, which is cool. I like uh, that. She plays Raven, um, which is the character that drives the hearse in Twist Metal Black. Okay. Um, so she's Shadow, um, would be that. Um, it's, there's there's just some different things there. Um, I think there's another game that Shadow shows up in, one of the ones that I've never played. Was it the uh, one, the PS3 kind of remake or reboot or whatever you want to call it? Uh, no, there's like a Twisted Metal like. Let me look this up real quick. Twisted Metal Lost or something like that. Is it head on? No, there's a there's a Twisted Metal Lost that is a uh, it's in head on. I think she shows up in that. Okay. So uh, yeah, got... yeah, Raven. Yeah. Oh, Thomas Hayden Church is in it. Yeah, yeah, you got some really cool characters. And Stephanie yeah. Beatrice, she's awesome. Nev Campbell, I don't know who Mike Mitchell is. I don't know who Richard it, Cabral is. Yeah, but. there's a lot of like random people, but there's um, Mr. Slam shows up as a character. Oh, uh, dude. Yeah, so you got some really cool ones, man. Like I was looking this up uh, earlier. Obviously, Sweet Tooth, um, you know, who we've talked about. Uh, you do have the Nev Campbell playing Raven, who is Shadow. Uh, Dollface shows up, like the that part of it. Um, uh, you do have some, uh, there, obviously there's, they pay some kind of homage to, 
the the I see some holy man characters. So it would be uh oh gosh, who would that be in Twist Metal Black? Uh the preacher that throws the Yeah, 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 yeah. Um Preacher drives the Oh what the heck is Preacher driving that? I'm losing my mind. Oh Brimstone. Brimstone. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I, I I have to look some of these things up because I forget. And I, it's funny because I play Twisted Metal, Twisted Metal Black like I have like every couple months for like the last twenty years, and I still. <laughs> so I guess Spectre will be uh, is who uh, Thomas Hayden Church will be driving, right? Nice. I would assume I could be wrong, but um, he's kind of like a super agent stone or special agent, so. Yeah, it's got to be right. Let's see, Agent Stone. Oh no, no, no! I'm I'm dumb. What am I thinking of? So he's. It says Scott Campbell. Oh, Crimson Fury. Fury. Oh, he's driving Crimson Fury. Well, no, no, no. I don't know. Agent Stone has shown up in. Um, could be Outlaw. Oh, Agent Stone. Okay, so I just looked this up real quick. Agent Stone was one of the original drivers in the first Twist of Metal. Which think about this: the first Swiss Metal came out almost thirty years ago, by the way. Um, Crimson Fury, and then you have Outlaw. Uh, he shows back up in Swiss Metal Black, um, driving a different car. This time he's Outlaw. Um, okay. But but his first appearance though was he's one of the original drivers, and he was Crimson Fury. So nice. There you go. Yeah. All right. So who knows? Well, Thomas, I love Thomas Hayden Church, so. Like that's, he's one of my dudes. I'm glad he's in it because that gives me even more, even more of a favorable view of this of this uh, show. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. Um, the uh, like I said, I I installed Twisted Metal Black installed on my PS5 to this day. Um, I've tried to go back over time and play. Like my other favorite was Twisted Metal Two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, I will never. And I really, really enjoyed the reboot on Twisted Metal uh, for PS3, but that which was the last game that was released. Yeah. I had so much fun because that was a game I actually got onto online, and I was like half decent at. Like I wasn't getting killed by eight year olds playing Call of Duty. <laughs> um, I actually was because I because it was a game I knew how to play. Right. You know, I've been playing it for years at that point, and. Then of course it just goes nowhere, and they haven't done anything with it, right? So that's why I'm kind of hoping for. Look, come on, PlayStation! Like, give us even the latest game. Just throw it on the store. Let us download it. I will pay you money. Yeah. Like Sony, listen to me. I will yeah. give you money so I don't have to crack open my PS3 to play that game. <laughs> look, I don't give a shit if we get, and I know this isn't Sony, but I don't give a shit if we get Twisted Metal. Or if we end up getting um, Vigilante Eight, <laughs> but give me one of them. Vigilante Eight, wow, what a great game! And the second one, um, the second one actually did get a remaster not too long ago. I think it was the 360 and um, PS3 era, and I have that on my 360 still. You know, it's funny though. You say that, and. I kind of feel like, you know, you have Twisted Metal coming out as a TV show on Peacock, right? Um, you say Vigilante 8. I kind of feel like that could be a TV show releasing on the CW. 
<laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> I do feel like, look, I mean, we can bag on it because it, it did have its moments where I was like, what the fuck is this? But it had some cool, some cool. Disney I know. I don't, I don't mean to dog on it that badly, but you know. No, the worst, I think the worst twisted metal type game I ever played was called Rogue Trip. And it was on the PS1. And I, I don't like hating on it because the boss tones did uh, a lot of the soundtrack for it. Or they, not that they did the soundtrack, but they used boss tones songs. And like you could actually put the seat, like remember back when PS1 was a thing, you could put the CDs in your CD player and actually play the music. So, one uh, so on, and, and I'm gonna get into a little bit of a deep cut here with the Boston, but <laughs> so they do every or they used to do every year, it was called the Hometown Throwdown, and they do it between Christmas and New Year's every year at the Middle East in Boston. And they would have like Dropkick and whoever else, like local bands, come and play. Mm-hmm. Well, when they did their um live from the Middle East live album. There's a part where they're playing the song Dr. D, but before they play it, they have two different versions. They have the old version, which is off their, you know, which is off the studio albums, and they have a new version that they play live. Well, they ask the crowd, all right, do you want the old version or do you want the new version? And the old version ended up on Live from the Middle East. The new version ended up in Rogue Trip. (laughs) <laughs> of course because <laughs> they recorded them both but the new version wasn't good enough for the live album and it ended up in Rogue Trip <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm, it's not bad it's not bad but it's more of like a swing version than than a ska version you know it's funny I'm looking up the uh, game now wow that's crazy it was a GTA Interactive game yeah which is crazy which um, it honestly wasn't that bad but it wasn't Twisted Metal and it wasn't Vigilante 8. Right, right, right. That's that's the thing. Um, you know, when you start, when you, especially when you start, you know, copy, you know, trying to copy what other people have done, you you, you kind of realize you're making bastardized versions of it. Of like, uh, look at Mutant League Football. Right. Um, you had other versions. Now, even, even the fact that they were before or after, kind of, you still realize that, like, Mean League football like hit every nail on the head, and then you had like Blood Bowl, which Blood Bowl. To be fair, Blood Bowl is actually a tabletop game. Yeah, right. So it predated it. it. Yeah, it's in Warhammer. Right, and right. So Warhammer. Um, they actually the the have you played any of the? Uh, I thought you were saying Blood Bowl was bad. No, 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 no. Okay, no. okay. I'm just saying that, like it, the 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 fact that it predates the some of the stuff sometimes that comes off as second rate. That's why I like I make the joke about Vigilant Hate being on CW Network. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite that second rate. The problem is it can predate sometimes. It's it's a matter of hitting it at the right time and on all cylinders. Right. And then you get some level of copying too. Whenever people do that, sometimes they do it right, and sometimes they do it wrong. And obviously, you know, Mutant League football did it completely correctly. Right. Um, where And I'm not saying Vigilante 8 did it wrong for Twisted Metal, but that's kind of where I was going with the, the Blood Bowl yeah. thing, though. It's like, you know, what do people remember if they think that, you know, combat football thing? No one ever thinks about Blood Bowl. No, they think about Jerry, uh, what was it, Jerry Glanville's combat football. That, that's right. Everyone thinks about that. 
Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just a funny way of how that all works out. It's, you know, sometimes it's, I don't know, sometimes it's a matter of what, I guess it, you hit the right cylinders at the right time. You know? By the way, you know that's an actual game, right? Um, it doesn't surprise me. It's like Bill Lambier's Combat Basketball. <laughs> Pig, I'm sorry, I was wrong. It's Pigskin Foot Brawl. And it was uh, it was in an it was an arcade game, and then it came out. Um, it actually came out on the Genesis after that, and it's. I I can tell you I played a shit ton of it in the arcade because we went to West Virginia, and it was like one of the only games in the arcade at the hotel we were staying at, mm. and so I played it for hours, and it was fucking <laughs> terrible. But it was like the only game they had. So I played the shit out of it. Um, but yeah, like it, picture, picture Mutant League, but Tecmo orientation. And bigger, more detailed, but still somehow shittier characters. And like about... A tenth is fun. But there was blood. Mm -hmm. So, and it was 16-bit. So, you know. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. I think that's why, like, I make the comment about uh, Mutant League uh, compared to the Blood Bowl in that regard. It's like, you you obviously have several years' worth of experience um, on the Blood Bowl side. Um, but when you think about it historically and remembering fondly, like I'm picking up a copy of Mutant League every time for a video game, you know, I'm not necessarily thinking I'm going to go play. Obviously I'm not, I've, I've never played the tabletop blood bowl, but I'm certainly not going to play the video game. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, the video game's good. The video game's really good. I've played, uh, Blood Bowl. I own Blood Bowl one and two mm -hmm. for the Xbox, and I'm playing it on getting three for the PlayStation Five, um, mm. which is out already. But it's actually it's hard to learn. Like it's a very steep learning curve. But once you learn it, it's actually really fun. And even even the learning curve, even getting your ass kicked, it's still kind of fun because it's challenging. Mm. And I like I've enjoyed all the time that I've spent playing it it's not like you're not getting your your action like you're not getting you know like madden or or tech mobile or, or anything like that it's not fast moving at all but if you enjoy strategy games it's actually really fun oh that makes sense then from a port to a tabletop then to a video game that makes sense yeah i, I highly recommend it like I, I definitely have enjoyed uh all the iterations i've played about. i haven't again i haven't played the three yet but i'm sure they're just improving and improving on on how it's played right 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 um so yeah yeah so uh let's kind of circle back though you you had mentioned the boston's you know i had a very interesting conversation uh through text earlier and i thought this would be kind of fun to kind of get into and it'd be fun to kind of wrap it up because it was like very you know uh, rem you know reminiscing and, and things about what got us into different uh genres of music and whatnot um and you had kind of alluded to what got you into ska and, and all that, you know, early on. I did the same thing. Um, 
so talk me through real quick like what in that punk ska whatever like what was your gateway into getting into that genre of music that i know that obviously you've stayed in tune with for a long time and i have too or otherwise we wouldn't have a logo that looks like a boston's logo <laughs> <laughs> right right so like i can remember succinctly you know y100 and um and um wdre in philly playing green day playing rancid playing the boss tones playing blink 182 and rancid oh and goldfinger and and real big or uh yeah real big fish as well mm -hmm. I, i'd be remiss if i left any of them out so you know i started started taping some stuff off the radio so you know um green day obviously basket case um you know stuff like that uh rancid time bomb and and uh ruby soho um goldfinger here in your bedroom real big fish sell out um you know and all these bands the boss tones with the impression that i get and then blink 182 with damn it and when damn it came out it was just something that i don't know if it was just the right like you said with with the football games and with with video games in general I don't know if it was the right time or what it was, but I went out and I bought Dude Ranch because that's that was the album that you know that damn it was off of, and it kind of sparked a fire in me that made me start. I was like, wow, it really opened my eyes, and then that's when I started getting more into bands like Rancid. And 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 more into Green Day, more into the Boston. You know, the Boston's were their whole separate thing. That came a little bit later, and I that was again mind mind blowing and, and completely, you know, mind altering. Um, but that opened my eyes. It kind of because I was kind of in the you know, they were one of the first bands that was mine. Where when I was younger, you know, when you're younger, you listen to the music that your parents listen to. You don't mm -hmm. really have a choice. You don't really know anything else. So I remember listening to like Sledgehammer and like, you know, I'd pick up on certain things on my own, but I didn't really know much about them. Like I would, I would hear some Run DMC here and there. I'd be like, oh, I really like Run DMC. And and the Fat Boys, that was a band that for, for some inexplicable reason, I think it was because they had that movie Disorderlies. And oh, dude, I, I, still, I still have a VHS copy of Crush Groove somewhere. Nice. So, yeah. So, like, so I was into the Fat Boys, but but I, when I say I was into the Fat Boys, did I have any of their music? No. Did I have any any Run DMC? No, I didn't. But, you know, then, then I started hearing stuff, and I heard Aerosmith. I was like, oh, man, Aerosmith's really cool. I like Aerosmith, but I heard that from my dad. Meatloaf. Oh, I love Meatloaf. Yeah, I heard that from my dad. They were one of the first bands that were mine that I picked that I went and bought their album and listened to their music. And again, that opened me up even more to Rancid, Goldfinger, uh, Real Big Fish, The Boss Tones, Op Ivy. Jesus Christ, Op Ivy's awesome. And I don't know if I said Rancid already, but I'm going to say them again because they're that damn good. Um, and Out Come the Wolves is one of my favorite albums of all time. Damn, or Dude Ranch, which is what damn it was off of. One of my favorite albums of all time. Um, you know, there's 
all these these formative bands, these formative albums for my musical taste. Um, but I went from like my parents' stuff and like hanging out in the metal pocket with like Metallica and stuff like that to wow, I really like this other kind of music. And then I fit, and then from that led to Weezer, led to Foo Fighters, um, led to like a multitude of other bands, Lagwagon. Uh, I, I told you in the text once I found out about about um, like where Rancid came from, where Dropkick came from, where Op Ivy came from, Blink One Eighty Two. All anything I could get with Warp Tour on it, or like an Epitaph fucking sampler, or any of those you know Hellcat Records sampler, right. anything like that that I could get, I was snatching up. There was one I remember. Um, it was fuck. Um, it was called Short Music for Short People, and I think it was like ninety nine songs on one disc, <laughs> and it was. It was the most insane thing, but I learned of different bands that I liked from that. Yeah, and that was typical. The the especially that genre, the the punk ska, whatever. That, right. that because they would throw a lot of short songs together. The Descendants were known for it, and in fact, the other Descendants band, all um, <laughs> was also known for it. They would throw together these like fifteen second songs. You know, and it was very, very common for that. So, yeah, that's, yeah, of course you're going to pick up something. And, and that's actually where I learned about the Vandals, too. Yeah, yeah. And the, dude, you've heard uh, Hitler Bad Vandals Good, right? Yes, 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 yes. What a great fucking album. First of all, the title is perfect, Chef's Kiss. But the album itself is fucking fantastic, too. You know, and would I've I probably yes, I would have eventually heard of the Vandals at some point, some way, shape, or form. But that's what opened my eyes to them. Me first in the gimme gimmies, which led me into no effects. You know, right, like, right. All of these bands were on that were on that and, album. And a lot of those things got like I got into a bit of no effects and me first me first was on with um the Pokerama um yes things yes. after that. So if it wasn't for those, I wouldn't have my exposure to that. Because it was my I'm the same deal. Like Rancid Pennywise um, were probably the big two off Epitaph for me. Um, Bad Religion being a, a close third. Um, and then learning about, like, at some point, uh, I took a real deep dive into Bad Religion and, like, went back and found, like, the way early stuff. And then learned that they'd been recording music since like the early '80s. Yeah, and like some of the stuff was like almost new wave. It wasn't even punk. And it was like, what in the world is this? You know. So we, once you start falling down these rabbit holes, you're like, what in the? Well, and that's what's funny too, because I feel like was it? I don't remember if it was the Orange County soundtrack or if it was actually good charlotte of all bands that introduced me to social distortion because there's on the orange county soundtrack there's the live version of story of my life and the if you listen to there's a there's a song on one of good charlotte's albums where he's singing about a girl like his girlfriend or some girl he likes and she and he says she likes social distortion and so I was like, well, all right, let me fucking figure out who social distortion is. 
And that even opened my eyes even further because they I liked them so much more than I like Good Charlotte, which I still like Good Charlotte. I'm not, not shitting on Good Charlotte. Right, they, right, right. Have they made the best music ever in the past few? No, not really. But whatever. That's neither here nor there. You can say that about a lot of bands, yeah. Right, exactly. But they open my eyes to Social Distortion. And Social Distortion is one of my favorite bands of all time now. And they've, again, another band that's been making music since fucking before we were born. But I've seen them in concert now, I think, five times. You know? Right, right. Like, it's funny how all these different bands kind of, in some way, shape, or form, unlock other bands for you. And it helps shape who you are musically. And it kind of gives you a, a more complete view of the musical landscape right and it's um it's funny so i could say the same thing too it's like the you know you going back to the the random mix albums or whatever i remember picking up like you know a buzzbin disc mtv right and so that's what really exposed me to cake and uh think the cardigans and some of these other like smaller groups whatever alternative music right so got into that quite a bit um but then like really thinking about the stuff that i was into in this to me and it's harder like i really think about like the timeline i almost think that it runs together like part of me really loved the alternative stuff part of me really loved the scott punk stuff but I also love electronic music. Like I was like the first person that I knew of anyone that I knew of. Cause I remember I was like, Oh, I love this Daft Punk stuff. You know, I loved it. Like I was the only one that was. And then of course, like years later, they go on to win Grammys and whatever. Right. And it just, and, but I, but I still, I'm still the same way now. You know, it's like, I, I I've really fallen into a hole now with a lot of synth wave and stuff. That's, reminiscent of people trying to recreate 80s music so it's yes. a weird it's a weird genre but it's fun for me i like it yeah. um but now the uh uh you're right though like it's the smaller like going back in time it's the smaller like random albums random people you talk to that get you into it's like a like i said it's like a gateway it's what gets you into the genre. It gets what's into a band. Like Operation Ivy, I would have never, have never got into the Op Ivy stuff if, if it was not for getting a copy of the Green Day Dookie album. Had I not gotten that, I would have never circled back to Operation Ivy. Ever. Right. You know, um, and similarly with Rancid, like that's the thing with like once you discover a band sometimes you're like oh i wonder what their other stuff was like prior to because typically when you discover a band it's always like well after they're established and so you know you end up finding other stuff and you you mentioned it too like earlier green day which that it was like you're to me like that that's like it's probably the, the first example that i could think of of a band that it's like you find you have a, you, you got Green Day's latest record in your hand. In my case, it was Dookie, and I went backward until I found Operation Ivy. Rancid, like in that same right. You can trace it. It's almost like a like an evolution chart. Right, right, and right. It's you like, can because, follow it because you had Dookie at '94. You had Out Come the Wolves in '95, 
and there was some like weird like connection that went back to what was it 87 right that album came out so you had like a six seven year thing there um i think that's the first time that i can trace like you know what i'm into this that much that i care about what happened beforehand right 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 no and that's and that's exactly what happened so when i when i had gotten into blink 182 you know obviously dude ranch was out that was their major label debut they had released one album like really released one album which was cheshire cat and then they had um this other album that was like a demo that is basically what got them the ability to make cheshire cat and so that was buddha and that when i got dude ranch they had since they had since damn it had hit it so big they had actually sort of reprinted cheshire cat and they actually made like a wide distribution of Buddha, but it was on Kung Fu Records instead of whatever. I think it was um, Filter Records was the original label because it was act. Which the funny thing is, it was actually just uh, Mark Hoppus's manager at the record store he worked at. He got a bunch of money together to release Buddha, and he just they didn't have a record company, so they were just like uh, Filter Records and just threw it out and so i picked up those two so and there's a marked difference between what you get on buddha and then what you get on cheshire cat even though some of the songs are the same right and then it changes even more it gets more refined by the time dude you get to dude ranch and then that's where you can really see like you can still see prototype of what blink 182 will become on cheshire cat buddha if you can listen to it like i I soaked it all up because it was just more Blink-182 and I just wanted I just wanted to absorb it all. But listening to that and listening back at it now, on it now, I'm just man that's that's fucking bad. <laughs> and then you know, I can listen to I can listen to Cheshire Cat all the way through and then Dude Ranch like we were saying is is I feel like almost I I never will say that something is a perfect album. Dude Ranch is as close as you're going to get to a perfect Blink-182 album. And uh, you just said something too about um, having, you know, a release on a certain record label, or you know, however that goes, or with albums anyway. Um, that you know, sometimes, and I, I'm not, I'm not familiar with my Blink One Two history on this, but like the sometimes you get like a case where it's like something's independent really released, and then it's released again, yes, because it hits big. And it does have that difference. Um, you know, I noticed that with um, uh, some different like experimental groups over the years or just bands in general, where it's like they have an album that's hit, it's independent release, but it's like, oh, we kind of really like this, but we need to re-record it. So the masses are going to, so it's going to, basically it's going to be professional sounding, you know, much more so than we are. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, but to, to circle back to your, your Daft Punk, it's funny you mentioned them because I actually, I gave, I remember hearing some of the songs off of Discovery back in like freshman year of college. And it took me until like 20 or 2000, 2006, somewhere between 2006 and 2008 before I actually bought a copy of Discovery. No, it was 2000. 2005 or 2006, because I remember listening to it on the way to the Foo Fighters show. 
Um, and it's just why I waited that long to buy that album. I kick myself because it's such a damn good album. The you know? uh, the funny thing for them was I remember watching MTV real late at night and they had videos for around the world and defunct and whatever. And it was 96, 97 time frame. Let's say the album got released in 97. I was like, I've got to buy this. Like, I was so into it. And, man, I was it. I was hooked. Like, and, you know, all these funny, like, oddball things came out. Like, oh, Daft Punk is eight guys from France and all this crap. And it's, it's, it's two, two, two guys. That's all it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, they, it was just like, it was screwy. But, like, you'd watch the videos. And I think a reason why I fell in love with them so much early on um, was because the videos reminded me a lot of what the Beastie Boys were doing. Um, because they were so off goofy, you know, like so unlike what everything else was going on um, for that time. Because if you, you watch like a, the video for the funk, go back and watch like Intergalactic, and you, you'll find like some very oddball, like it's just strange, right? You know, which is what I loved. So, like, I love the strange mainstream, which, whatever that maybe that explains me in general. I don't know. I think that explains a lot. <laughs> Much like Clarissa, it explains it all. I'm trying. 